Welcome to Batty to Batty, a monthly podcast by For the Breast of Us, the first breast cancer community for all women of color, where we share real-life experiences, information, and education to help you live your best life after a breast cancer diagnosis. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Hey, 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 I am Naya Kite. I was diagnosed with stage 2B breast cancer in 2019. This unexpected obstacle taught me to find the magic in every day, every day. Hola, baddies. This is Natasha Vega, your baddie ambassador coming all the way from New York City. I was diagnosed with stage 2 breast cancer on September 11, 2020. Lots has changed and less to talk about. Want to talk? Let's do this, do this. Hey, Daddy, I'm Jenny, the OG Flatty Fatty Ambassador, Asian Batty, and Resident Funny Lady over here at For the Rest of Us. I was diagnosed in 2019 at the age of 41 with stage 1 invasive ductal carcinoma and underwent a bilateral mastectomy without breast mound reconstruction and some chemo and radiation. I'm coming to you from colorful Colorado, ready to chat with some baddies. baddies. Hey, 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 everybody. It's your girl, Miss Ebony, a.k.a. Miss Hustle and Hills. And as of December 2018, I am a MBC baddie. And I'm out here changing the face of breast cancer one stiletto at a time. Hey, baddies, it's Tan, a baddie ambassador representing for all my flatty baddies and early thrivers. I currently reside in Georgia, but I'll always be repping the loop. In September 2020, a month after my 30th birthday, I was diagnosed with stage 2 ERPR positive, HER2 negative, invasive ductal carcinoma, and ductal carcinoma in situ. Are you guys ready to join in on this chat? Well, come on in and grab seats. Hey everyone, my name is Naya, breast cancer survivor, and I joined, and I'm joined with Daddy Ambassadors Ebony, Jenny, Natasha, Tan, and Thriver Natalia today. Since this is a large group, let's start off with a quick introduction of everyone. Please tell the audience your name, age of diagnosis type of breast cancer and the breast rec- reconstruction option you chose. And I will go first. I am, I was diagnosed at age 31 with stage 2B breast cancer, ERPR positive. Um, and I had to have a unilateral mastectomy because I was pregnant, so I didn't have another choice. Ebony, I'll kick it off to you. Right. Hey, 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 everybody. Uh, it's Ebony. Uh, when I was diagnosed, I was 37. Um, at my time of diagnosis, I was already metastatic. Um, and yeah, I was already metastatic several different places. Um, but I have yet to go under any kind of reconstruction. So I'm glad I'm on here. So you all can tell me what I'm up against. (laughs) 
kicking it to you, Jenny. Hi, y'all. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm having a hot flash here. This is Jenny. Um, I am an early stage survivor. I was diagnosed at 41 years old a few years ago. Um, it's pretty standard vanilla, breast cancer, hormone positive, HER2 negative. Um, and I opted to not have any reconstruction, although I kind of hate saying that. I had flat reconstruction. Um, so I don't have any breast mounds currently. Um, and I don't have any plans to change that. Kicking it off to Natasha. Hey, y'all. Um, so I was uh, diagnosed at 36, triple positive. Um, and um, what I decided to do was to just to have the lumbectomy. And both options were given to me. Um, but, you know, I think it's one of those things where... For me, I just I just decided that that was you know that was the right choice for me, and and I think that the the great thing about this conversation is that there's not a one size fits all. There's many different options and many different solves for for different people, and so I'm excited to talk to young ladies about it. Kicking it to you, Tan. Hello, everyone. I was diagnosed at 30 and same as this Jenny and Naya, ERPR positive, stage 2B. And me and Jenny are flat sisters. So as of right now, I don't plan on changing it. But I mean, you never know. <laughs> and Natalia. Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Natalia. <clears throat> I uh, have metastatic breast cancer. I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer in 2017 and became MBC in 2019. Um, I had two reconstructions. I had a double mastectomy and ended up with implants because during my timeline of whether I was going to do reconstruction or not, um, I progressed. So I had to get my uh, expanders swapped out for implants, but I actually ended up doing a deep flap this January. So uh, I'm actually really happy with my decision. Um, and yeah, that's it now. Welcome you all. I'm glad that you all are here and sharing the many options of reconstruction and willing to talk about body image today. We are going to jump in right to these questions. And I just want to remind you all that this should be a free flowing conversation. So just jump right in when you feel like chatting. What was the main reason you chose the reconstruction that you did? And why? Um, it's Natalia here. I'd be happy to go first if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, I kind of settled for implants and I thought that um, when I got the implants that I would just you know be done with surgeries. But because I had um, radiation done on one of my breasts, um, it became really painful to have an implant in on my radiated side. So I just thought I'm going to go in a other way, either go flat closure or deep flap, which are two very different things. The flat closure would have been a lot simpler, but um, it's kind of weird to be in this stage of breast cancer, like in this breast cancer community um, and like, choose to do a deep because there are a lot of things that are involved where 
if you're not familiar with the procedure, they move abdominal fat and tissue from your abdomen over into your breast area. And it's a long surgery. It's an over eight hour surgery. And you have to be in the ICU for a night and in the hospital for about three days, two to three days. And um, it wasn't easy, but there is, I, I, I always call it vanity, but people are like, it's just what you want. The idea of using abdominal fat and getting that out was really appealing to me. You know, I'm, I'm a plus size girl. I thought, you know, it'd be really nice to kind of have a slimmer waist and use that abdominal fat. And I felt a lot of shame about that for a long time, but obviously the breast cancer community is really supportive and people, everyone goes through um, a different reconstruction, right? No one's one reconstruction's the same. And I got a lot of support and people saying like, just do what makes you happy and, and do what you wanna do. So I just went with that and um, I'm really happy that I did because uh, my radiated side was hurting me and it was really uncomfortable, but having the tissue transfer means I have like squishy boobs now and I can feel things that I didn't have before that I couldn't do with my um, implants. And um, yeah, so I'm, it makes me really happy that I made the decision, even though the recovery was long. Thank you for sharing more about what deep flat is. And I'm so glad that you were able to follow your heart and make a choice that made you happy because often in the community, we hear that people didn't know all of their choices. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad you were able to do that. Thank you. I think another thing that I love about what Natalia was talking about is, you know, we women are often have so much pressure to look a certain way, to be a certain way, right? So you're already coming in with these, you know, uh, ideals that you're trying to achieve or that you, you know, you're looking towards. And I think when breast cancer comes in, it really makes you rethink what beautiful is and, and what beautiful is to you. And so I, I really love this idea of, of just kind of redefining what that looks like. Um, in 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 the in the the middle of something obviously that none of us expected to have but i think that that part i think it's super interesting natalia thank you for sharing that how i got a question so um natalia how long was your um your recovery so it's kind of a tricky question so the recovery is normally six weeks and um I don't want to like send you all to my TikTok, but my TikTok during my process, I went through each of my recovery stages um, and telling them my, uh, telling, like sharing my process of how it went. But you spend three days in the hospital because the surgery is so um, specific and so complicated. Literally they're taking vessels from your abdominal um, skin and your fat and your muscle they don't take any muscle and they're connecting it to another vessel where your breast is. And so they want to make sure that that vessel is pumping blood and feeding your new skin and your new implant area. It's getting the, the amount of blood that it needs to be healthy tissue and keeps growing. So with a deep flap, just like regular breasts, they will fluctuate in size if you gain or lose weight. It, it, it literally becomes a new breast again. And so the recovery time was six weeks where like you can't pick anything up heavy or do any of those things because of your sutures from 
um, from having your abdominal stuff removed and put into your breast area. And then um, it slowly, you know, progresses from there. I should say progress. It slowly gets better from there. It's really painful at the beginning and it's uncomfortable just because you're not used to being so tight on your stomach. And then if anyone's ever had like maybe a, a C-section, I would compare it to that. It, that's what it feels like. And it's not like you don't use binders like you do when you have a mastectomy. Um, it, you have to really like baby the tissue that has just been implanted. So while you're in the hospital, every hour for the first night on the dot, someone comes in and they take a little echo machine and make sure they can hear that new vessel pumping blood into the tissue. So that's the really grueling part about being in the hospital. It's not like a relaxing time or anything, unless you can sleep through that, but someone is coming to check your breast tissue every hour to make sure that they can hear good vessels pumping um, the blood through. And so that, that kind of sucks being at the hospital, but after six weeks, it's good. If you heal, I did catch an infection, which required me to do, um, I had to get a, one of those, I, sorry, I can't think, but um, a tissue like vacuum where they take out all the infection by vacuum out and like sucking out the infection. And that kind of was like just a little bothersome because I had to carry a pack with me. But if you're healing well, it takes six weeks. If not, it can be longer. I felt, I got my deep flap in January. And by the time April came around, I was still dealing with um, the infection and the, my uh, sutures healing. I shouldn't say suture, just the part that got infected. But my breast stuff was like perfect. Like that healed really quick in those six weeks. But yeah, like it's it's no joke either. I know a lot of people like like the idea of like flipping your flap into, or flipping your tummy into new breasts, which is awesome. But yeah, it's the most in, um, invasive reconstruction that you can get is getting a flap or a lap flap or any of those because they're using real tissue and, and putting it somewhere else. That's one of the reasons why I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Like the idea of getting your stomach smaller. <laughs> so what they was comparing it to like a tummy tuck. That's what my doctor compared it to. And, you know, we gain weight during chemo and radiation and all these hormonal medications that we're on. I was like, it sounds good. But then I have to think about me. I'm a single mom. And do I honestly want to be out for six weeks, like not being able to do anything? Like, because my children, they work four when I was diagnosed and then, you know, they were turning five the next year. So it was a lot. I had to think about what's the best for me in my situation. And that's ultimately why I decided to stay flat because I couldn't do that. Like that's a long yeah. recovery. And it's not just one surgery that goes into the flap. It's multiple ones. Like I've, I've, I've seen, I've talked to so many people when it came to that one. Cause I already had said no to implants because the idea that I have to massage them for the rest of my life and get them changed every like 10 years. And then like you can get implant, what is it? Implant syndrome. I don't even know what it's called, but yeah, I was like, no, I don't want that. I don't know. Yeah. What's that, the other options why, that I have? <laughs> that's why I was kind of debating going from either just a flat closure to a deep because I didn't want the implants. I had the implants and they, yes. was, they just didn't suit me and it was really uncomfortable for me. 
just that's what I've heard so many people say. They want to get heavy, super uncomfortable. That it's usually just the radiated side. My other side wasn't that didn't have, you know, the breast cancer and yeah. or radiated, but it was the other side. And it's no joke. It took me three years to, to settle on a D, you know, yeah. like um, because I'm stage four, I kind of put those options aside. And I told myself, mm -hmm. like, if I don't progress in one year, you know, and I'm healthy, then I'm going to go ahead and go through the option I want, either flat closure or deep flap. And thank, thank goodness, you know, I didn't progress for a year, a year and a half, and I went through the surgery. Um, a bummer, I mean, I ended up progressing anyways this year, but um, at the time I was healthy. And yeah, so I could see like how people would decide to go for a flat closure because it's the least complicated way to go the recovery time is is the shortest recovery time and um you know you're just i can imagine it would feel good i i remember getting my mastectomy and not having my expanders filled yet and i just thought like this is cool i could sport this way and i didn't think like it it made my clothes look different or you know it, it, it i had a big breast before i got um a mastectomy and so it was relieving yeah. a little bit to um, have nothing there for a while. It, I had to adjust because my, I had a really big breast too. So I was like leaning and my therapist was like, no, you have to sit up. So I was like used to like slouching a little bit because my breasts were like a G and I'm a little small oh, person wow. at the time. Jesus. I oh, was, geez. yeah. And I was way <laughs> smaller with huge breasts and I was like, okay, now they're gone. I don't know how to feel about this, but I still go back and forth like mentally because I'm battling a lot <laughs> mentally right now Yeah. between like, is this what I want to be for the rest of my life in regards to like being flat closure or if I do want to go ahead and get the flat surgery because it's, I have my moments where I'm like, I don't feel cute or I'm looking in the mirror like, uh, I miss that. Or I look at other women, I'm like, I wish I had that. So, yeah. Penny, I'm going to yeah. ask you to jump in here because you are the OG flat baddie. I remember yeah. when I had my mastectomy, you were like the first flat baddie I saw on Instagram. So can you explain a little more about this flat closure that Tan and Natalia have been referencing? Sure, sure. I do just one thing, and maybe we can circle back to this, um, as Natalia was talking about the deep flap, um, I think it's interesting that everybody knows what the deep flap is, but there are other flap options out there that people don't necessarily know about, like um, a lat flap, which comes from your back. There's the tram flap, which is your inner thighs. Because um, when I was initially diagnosed and you go and you meet a plastic surgeon, um, I didn't have enough abdominal fat to be able to qualify for a deep flap. Um, possibly. Um, but then, you know, through research, I met some other women um, who had done like tram flaps or different kinds of flaps as well. Um, but anyway, back to my plastic surgeon conversation. Um, I was fortunate because I was offered all of these different options. Um, first, we talked about, um, you know, the possibility of implants and the different kinds of implants. And then we talked about flaps and a few different kinds of flaps. Um, and then there was a comment about um, flat closure. Um, you know, as I was getting ready to leave, he was talking about, you know, uh, and, and sometimes um, 
I never see the women again who come through here because they decide to go flat and there's nothing wrong with that. And that kind of sticks in my mind because um, my original intent was never to be flat. But similar to Tan, um, once I finished my treatment because I wanted to be you know, healthy before I made any decisions about reconstruction, um, since I had been living flat for so long, it was kind of a no brainer. You know, my oncologist asked me like, Oh, when are you going to go back to the plastic surgeon? My radiologist was like, Oh, you can go back to see your plastic surgeon after X months. And you know, I just, I never saw Dr. Bradaw again. <laughs> and I'm perfectly happy the way that I am. I don't see myself changing my mind. Um, I did start out with relatively small breasts as part of the itty bitty titty committee. So they were never like a huge <laughs> part of my identity. Uh, but that's not yeah. to say that I don't miss my breasts. Right. And I think that, you know, the grass is always greener. Right. I look at some of like a couple of my friends have had amazing, gorgeous work done, like either implants or or, um, you know, deep. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I wish I could have that. They look amazing. But it's always a fleeting thought for me. Um, I don't want to do the surgery. I don't want to do the recovery. And frankly, being flat is very much a part of my identity at this point in time as well. And, um, I've been playing a little bit with prosthetics lately too. And it's kind of fun because it's, it's like putting a hat on, right? Like what size boobs it do is. I want to have today? I'm just gonna, you know, okay. That know. is a plus too, <laughs> And, um, I'm plug myself real fast. I did do a reel today because when it's it's freaking hot, right? It's hot everywhere. I and one good thing it. about yes. being flat is no boob sweat. Yes, no like flaps or anything. <laughs> no boob sweat. No. Yes. Thank you for sharing all those options because when I went to speak to my oncologist and my surgeon, I did not learn of any of these options. The only thing they told me is I'm pregnant. You're pregnant. You can only have flat closure. Um, and I really wanted a double mastectomy. And that was, I was told no, because I couldn't be under anesthesia too long. And at this point, I wouldn't go get the other side. I also feel like being a unilateral <laughs> mastectomy baddie has become my identity too. And I also like not wearing bras. <laughs> and I don't have to think about it. And I'm part of the itty bitty titty committee too. So it doesn't look that much different. <laughs> Honestly, no one knows the fact that I don't have breasts. <laughs> I think it's just me that knows that I don't have breasts. When you go see somebody on the street, they're like, oh, wait, you don't have any breasts? I'm like, yeah, I'm flat. Like, there's nothing there. Like, no one really notices it. Natasha, can you jump in and talk a little bit more about the um, reconstruction type you chose? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, so when I got diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, um, I, it was funny because, you know, no one in my family had, you know, had any, I didn't have any breast cancer history. And so I went into the doctor and I was like, get rid of both of them. That means not going to chemo or radiation, just like get rid of them. Like, I was, like, very matter-of-fact at that moment. And then the doctor laughed, and she was like, well, regardless of that, you still have to do chemo and radiation. And I was like, oh, damn. Um, 
And so, but I'm, I'm happy that it kind of gave me that time to, to think about it. And so when I finished chemo and I did my surgery, they said to me, well, you don't, um, we didn't find any cancer in your lymph nodes, even though they did take out some. Um, so it's really your choice, right? There is, we can't promise you, you know, I can't give you a definitive answer of you getting it again or not because of the, um, you know, the, the decision you make. And so for me, I'm, you know, being so like type A, I was hoping to go, go back to the doctor and the doctor tell me, okay, here are the results. Here's what you have to do, which is very mm -hmm. similar to when I went in on my first uh, consultation, they were like, you have to do chemo, you have to do radiation. I was really hoping they would tell me what to do. And that wasn't the case. And so they were like, you don't hear the things that we know, and it's really up to you. And so for me, I, I had had a breast reduction 10 years prior. So the idea of scars really didn't scare me because I have scars all over my breast from my reduction. Um, but I felt at that point I had, you know, you, you go through so many treatments and weight gaining and this and that, that I, you know, not not getting that definitive. If you take them, if, if we do a double mastectomy, here is the higher chance of X then or lower chance and like that to me was the key the key moment where i said you know what i'll do the lumpectomy at the end of the day i really understood mm -hmm. that my journey with breast cancer was not going to end regardless of the decision i would make and so i yeah. needed to terms with that reality that breast cancer was going to be a part of my life regardless of the decision that i was going to make um, and so, and so I decided, I decided to, to just to do a lumpectomy, but I would lie if I, if I didn't say that sometimes I wonder, like, did I make the right decision? Did I not, you know, the what ifs? Yeah. Um, I think we all still wonder what one if though, like yeah. even it don't matter the reconstruction we go through is like, what if I would have did that? Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, regardless of the decision you make, that fear is always going to be instilled mm -hmm. no matter what. Um, and so, and so, yeah. And so I, I decided with, you know, for it with a lumpectomy, uh, which is, you know, which is what I proceeded with. And, and I'm really happy with the decision I made. Um, I do feel like it did put a lot of the things of like body image that I was already really like self-conscious about with my body and all that, it put it just even more to the forefront. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's a never ending journey. That's Working something there. too, I think that people can think about is even if you make one decision, it you're, there's nothing stopping you from making a different one too. So I might be wrong. So your producer might need to fact check this a little bit, but because of Obamacare, the expansion of Medicaid um, expanded people to get reconstruction surgery. I think before there was a time limit of how long that took, but now there's no time limit when someone needs reconstruction and how much reconstruction that covers. So insurances are forced to pay it. So insurance can't deny you of a reconstruction option because of Obamacare. Um, that came true. out right 
in it's, two, um, in 2014 is when it expanded. And so that's mm -hmm. the, I was grateful that um, when I had implants, I got implants because um, at the time I had tissue expanders and I had them in for almost a year. And my plan was to wait a year and a half to go back and decide what type of reconstruction I was going to do. But the, the if you guys remember, or if you've had tissue expanders, they're like little magnets at the end of them. So they can, um, when you go to the doctors, they connect a different magnet so they know where to puncture your expander to fill them up with air. Um, because of the expander, I wasn't able to get all the scanning I needed. I couldn't go through an MRI machine. And so I had to make a quick decision to either go flat or to get um, implants at the time so I could, could get those extra scans. And so that's when I got um, implants and I, I thought I would be happy with them. But thankfully because of this expansion and because there's not a limit of um, the type of reconstruction I can get or even if I want to change it, that insurance will cover um, that that expansion or that, sorry, your reconstruction that you want to do. Just the same as like my breasts aren't exactly, um, they're not identical. One of them is slightly bigger than the other. And so I can do like fat graphing now and, and go in and get, or have a part of my breast removed. So they're more symmetrical and my insurance isn't allowed to deny me coverage for those types of things. So we're looking to, to, yeah, living in an age yeah. where we have yeah. options continually. Well, we do right now anyway. Um, yeah. It's actually, exactly. um, it right was, now we have Natalia's, yeah, Natalia's correct. This was in 1998, the Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act. It covers all reconstruction costs. It should also cover lymphedema sleeves. It also covers prosthetics. It also covers mastectomy bras. It also does not cover wigs, though, I don't think. So if your insurance denies you any of that, they legally cannot do that right now. So Women's Health and Cancer Rights Act, just FYI. Thank you. Anthony, yes, ma'am. So what's going on with your reconstruction? Like, or I know you were mentioning, like, you're in that, that stage where you're trying to decide, like, what are the doctors giving you your okay, options. Okay, so the doctors, the, my doctors really haven't given me like a big selection. That's why I'm glad I'm amongst some people that can, I'm like, cause my friend said, look, this is what she got. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, stop talking to your friends. But anyway. That's who so, you need to talk to. Cause we're the ones I that know. went through it. Not them. Yeah, exactly. That's why, honey, I go in with a whole notebook. They probably get tired of seeing me. But so with my situation, when um, the, the cancer was in the left breast, so just so happened, it was trying to come out. So a lot of people actually think that I had a mastectomy, but it was actually coming out. Like you could, like, you could it see was crazy. it. You could see it. That's how mine was. And it was like a. Uh, yeah, and now. so, yeah. like, it was coming, it was starting to come out, like, it had started bleeding, it, it was just really gross, but unfortunately, um, the I saw, in the hospital, I saw an infectious disease doctor, and they were like, okay, put this cream on it, it's gonna help, you know, the process or whatever, and it actually infected, which opened up a hole right here on the left breast 
So um, the left breast is probably like, it's literally like non-existent at this point. Um, so um, I walk around, I have a shirt that my kids got me because I had to laugh in order to get through it because I was one of, I had big breasts too. Like, I, you know, at one time I was an F. You know what I mean? I think the lowest I've ever been since my son and I had my son at like 17, I had my son at 18, was a double D. So like, hey, I've, I've always had girls. <laughs> and so we, you know, we called myself the one city wonder because I only have one. <laughs> and so it has been an adjustment physically because I'm used to looking in the mirror and having two you know what I'm saying? So I went through mm-hmm. a whole thing with, and it's still, you know, for a whole year, I wouldn't look in the mirror because this is not, to me, I didn't feel like a woman. You yeah. know what I mean? And so trying to decide, hey, is the flat life for you? Or, you know, this is the first time, like, being in the group, knowing what a deep flap is because nobody has ever explained that to me you know what I mean and I didn't just mm-hmm. there's, there you know, there's no way I would have googled what deep flap is if you know what I mean so um I'm in between like do I want to just be like forget it I don't want to deal with the boob because you know when I do have my hot flashes you know only having to you know wipe under one boob <laughs> is better than wiping under two but uh, I still you know I have prosthetics because well I kind of just almost have to because I got one good boob and no boob on it you know from uh, you know if I do one of these motions and turn around you know you don't know what you're gonna get (laughs) yeah but um it's just trying to figure out what's best for me and um what's best for me mentally yes you know because it's one thing you know, with my hair, I've always loved short hair. You know what I'm saying? I've, I always was a, I always loved my short hair. Now, wigs, I can be any person, but my body is something totally different. Mm-hmm. And being single and like, yeah, you know, hopefully one day being married, is he going, you know, is he going to be, you know, able to accept the fact that, hey, your potential wife has one boob you know what i mean you know and my friends are like oh well he'll love you you know for you know who you are and all that kind of stuff i said but we got to get to that point you know physically when he see me out i got on clothes and i got my little prosthetics in and you know i look good but (laughs) when i come up out of that Mm -hmm. he's gonna be scared like girl Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) When I saw you, you had two. Now you only got one. What's the, you know, what is Yeah. It? So, um, you know, like I literally had like a whole meltdown with my best friend talking about it. Cause it's just like, what do you do? Like, what's the best option? And granted, like I do, my kids are a little bit older, um, but I still have two small ones. I'm very active in my church i'm very active within my business so being down for six weeks is that gonna be okay for me you know what i mean so yeah 
Um, and do I want to go the whole, um, the, the, the breast implant route, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that's what's best or so right now it's really, it is like really up in the air, but listening to everybody is giving me a better outlook. Cause it's one thing to read about it, but yeah. you know, I've never met all of you in person. But I feel like I know you guys and you're giving your honest opinion. So I can trust you all better than, than a ther you know, than a yeah, doctor, you know, the, than a doctor because you just want to get paid. Yeah. So I, I want to tap like- back into this idea of mental health, but I wanted to comment on what you're talking about, about the partner. So yeah. I had, when I had my unilateral, I was with somebody. And it was already bad enough to like look in the mirror myself. Like I couldn't even look at my own self in the mirror. Yeah. But when I would go out, and I still get this now because I don't wear bras, strangers, like they stare at my chest. And I just like, hello, how are you? (laughs) To see if they'll say something. And I remember this one lady, she, I was carrying something in my hand. She was like, oh, I'm just staring at your flower. So beautiful. The flower was above my head. This woman was looking down here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it just like made an excuse but my then partner at the time I remember we were having sex and he couldn't even look at me and mm-hmm. I just like that was kind of for me like one of the things that was like that's the end like because he can't accept me for having one breast like it means that much to him to see yeah. him, even though they're tiny anyway but that's I, what I wanted to talk about too Naya I wanted to I wanted to ask y'all because I'm single and I wanted to see like I know a lot of women do they're either married or they're in a relationship or they're going into a new relationship i wanted to see like right. how the reconstruction you know it affected them yeah. mentally and also affected their relationship with their significant other as well i think that's a great yeah question. i want to know yeah i want to know when you tell the guy that you have no nipples or boobs you know like when does it come up in the conversation <laughs> yeah you yeah. know it's, it's such a hard part too because I, when I had breasts, that was an enjoyable part of sex was having boobs and that sensation and nipple sensation. And it was really hard to lose. And I've been married a really long time. And at the time I thought like, my husband's really into my boobs, you know, like that's really cool. And, you know, just the way we had sex involved a lot of breasts. And, um, so it did really change the dynamic of how we were approaching sex after that because it you know I more wanted to be I would want to be in a bra more than having just like no nipple like having no nipple showing and I just especially at the time when I had um implants it was really uncomfortable if he was to grab um the the radiated side because it was so mm-hmm. tight so mm-hmm. it did like, and it's a bummer. Like if you have a good thing going on and you're hooking up, you know, and it's, it's good. It sucks to lose a part that you enjoy right. in sex um, for it to be gone. But the best advice I got from anyone um, when it came to like sex and like losing the autonomy of your body was uh, from someone who's part of the LGBTQ community. I'm in a BIPOC um Marco Polo uh, support group and the person who was telling us like people should be um, doing sex from a queer perspective 
they're like cis people really limit themselves on how to have sex or how they enjoy pleasure like a sexual relationship with their partners whereas people in the lgbtqi community um ICIA community are like approaching sex differently because you might have a partner that's trans you might have someone that's same sex you might have someone that you know is asexual you know all of these things and I thought that really changed my sex life with my husband when we kind of talked to each other about like you know maybe we should approach sex differently or we should try something different instead of what we were doing before all this cancer crap started happening so I don't know if that's helpful or anyone else, but, you know, breasts aside, you know, your whole body image, because you're, I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but a lot of people are, um, they're, the way they have sex changes or it becomes non-existent. And that also affects your body image, right? Like right, to yeah. not have, you feel, un it, it could make you feel unwanted if you're not having mm -hmm. sex, you know, and so, that has been really helpful advice to me to be like, you know what, maybe we need to come at it at a different angle, like no pun intended, but you know, just to, that way we can <laughs> make sure that, you know, we, we, my spouse and I can connect in a way that we yeah. were connecting before, but just differently. So I don't know if that's helpful for people who are single now too, and maybe finding it a partner is. that is more open to that than the ones that, you know, they just want, big booties and big boobs, you know, then maybe looking yeah. for someone who's a little open-minded about that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Naya, did that, like you were speaking about that, does you being a uni when you were in a relationship, like, and I kind of cut you off, I apologize. Mm -hmm. um, so how did it, how did it go after that? Are you still with the guy? Are you single? Oh, no. I did it. <laughs> Was it because of the fact that you had just one breast? Did that like affect the relationship even more? Because I know it's a lot that goes into relationships. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was like, that was early on after I finished recovering. And for me, I just didn't want to have sex with him anymore because I felt so unwanted. And I didn't want to, I'm not the type to like force you to want me. Yeah. You don't want me or you don't. Um, but I feel like my body image has improved. My best friend told me when I tell him I couldn't look in the mirror, he was like, what would you tell your daughter? Ooh. And it was like, you know, say one nice thing to herself Ooh. every day. So she believed it. And so he was like, you need to do that. <laughs> and I love that. that has built my self-confidence myself. So when I got out of the relationship, I don't even care anymore. Like when guys are looking at me, I'm like, you're going to know ahead of time that I am a uni because I'm probably wearing tight clothes. You see one nipple sticking out and that's it. Mm -hmm. And I'm walking down the street, you know, sassing like, okay, I don't care because <laughs> I feel really good about myself now. That's um, yeah. yeah. Can I ask you a question, Naya? Because um, I think what you said is super powerful. How did you get to that level of self-love? Because I feel like we could all learn a page from that, um, like to that moment where you're walking and you're feeling, you know, Hariman Bilati and like, how did you get to that moment? Mm -hmm. You know, they say fake it till you make it. 
Yeah. I was faking every nice comment I said to myself with like tears coming down my eyes. Like, I can't believe I'm looking at myself like this and having to say I am beautiful and I don't feel beautiful at all. And then it's like one day it just shifted. And it was like, I actually think I've said it enough where I actually believe it. And my beauty is no, it's, you know, I feel like as women, we're taught that beauty lies in our breasts and our butts. And when I realized that there's so much more about <laughs> me that makes me beautiful than just that, it's right. a lot easier to accept. Yeah. I love that. A little bit too. That's good. Yeah. I think I, for me... I agree with you. Go ahead, Jean. I agree with you, Naya, as far as um, gaining the self-confidence. There was a lot of fake it at yeah. the beginning mm-hmm. you know like it's just, i'm still faking not it. this is yeah not necessarily like in a toxic way but yeah in some days yeah i still have to i still have to fake it it's not always unicorns and roses over here you know as much mm-hmm. as i'd like it to be mm-hmm. um for me also i chose to be really visible on social media and that's not necessarily for everybody but part of that helped me heal as well because you know i'm not gonna lie external validation is pretty great you know and um meeting other women um and other people in the breast cancer community and being able to meet other flatties that way as well has really helped my own self-confidence and self-esteem as well um so there was a little bit of that fake it in the beginning and i do still do that sometimes a little bit now but it's a lot easier now and i really am mentally and you know, just in a better place now than I was even before the cancer diagnosis. I'm happier with my body now than I was before. Yeah, and Jenny, you're married, right? You're in a relationship. Yeah, I'm married, and I will say that um, my decision as far as reconstruction and my mental health and well-being it may be different if I were single. I may feel differently. Um, yeah. I have a lot of single friends, and I've watched them really struggle. Um, with life after cancer um, and dating and, and sex and everything in general. So I am fortunate that I've got a husband that he, yeah. he loves all of this. What's not to love, Jenny? I to highlight that by ta- like just this conversation, right, can empower mm-hmm. other people into mm-hmm. that. It's so lonely. This process is so lonely and mm-hmm. decision making seems so lonely because when you're at the doctor, you're at the doctor by yourself. You're representing yourself and you don't get to necessarily see or hear these other stories. But when you find out that you're not the only person living on this earth without nipples or you're not the only person living on this earth without breasts, like it makes you feel better in a way, right? To not be alone out there. I think that so a conversation like this just is so valuable. And I don't know why doctors like don't give the, all the options and also recommend like talk to your support groups about it. Mm-hmm. You know, you and your therapist. Yeah. You, you know, one. like talk to yes. someone about it and maybe not like my house, my spouse, maybe might be the same for you, Jenny is they're just like, whatever you want, like just, you know, you take care of yourself. Like I I'm fine either way. And he was great about it. But, you know, sometimes I kind of felt like he's not the right person to be talking to about it because he has biases. And, you know, part of the problem is wondering if he would like it. 
So his his two cents might not be um, uh, what I needed, but getting empowerment for other women made me decide like, well, I can explore my options. I'll start with this and go to this and then go to this. And sometimes that decision can be made for you at the end by yourself. But just mm -hmm. having those conversations are so useful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm single and I'm I'm at that point where I'm like, like you, Naya, you was like, I'm destroying my stuff now because I, I done gained my weight and I'm like, you can't tell me nothing. I'm fabulous. Okay. Flat and fabulous. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm talking to like a guy right now and he's like, I don't care about, you know, I'm not a boo guy anyway. But then I've met guys in the past and I that was the first thing I said. I'm like, hey, you know, I had breast cancer. I'm going through my treatments at the time. I was in radiation or just finished chemo. And I was like, I, I got to either have surgery and I'm staying flat or I already had surgery and I'm flat. So they would be like, you don't have no breasts? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you still hot? And I'm like, <laughs> so Thank you, you. Them, oh yeah like, that external validation yeah like, so that's all i needed like, right so you basically yeah. you told him like right after that because it was crazy because a guy i was talking to for a little while um he didn't know until he was on my social media because i'm very like hey this is me like yeah. i show pictures when i lost some of my hair you know and he was just like you know, you're very beautiful, Bob. And I was like, thank you. Um, but like, you know, like I said, I never had hair any, anyway, honey. My hair is in every color. I just took it off and all that kind of stuff. But when I did, he like, he did ask me about my boobs because I had a conversation. No, I had a something on Facebook or something where I was talking about my, my lonely wonder over here. She got all kind of names. Uh, <laughs> um, but he, he asked me and, and to, to get his response, um, was like, I would have never known. He was like, but you know, it's your confidence and your, your ability to even like believe in yourself. He's like, I would have never even known. He was like, and you know, just talking to you for me, it really doesn't even matter. So, you know, you having that confidence to be like, oh, you know, this is me, you take it or leave it, can yeah. actually change the mindset or spark something in others yeah. that you that you didn't even realize, you know. Right. So, yeah. That's yeah. It, and it's weird that a conversation with your plastic surgeon can also sometimes be, um, stirs up your value too, right? Because mm -hmm. sometimes they make you feel bad about how you look or the options that you're choosing. Not everyone has a really good plastic surgeon experience. And you guys might know this, like you guys know Mariah Crenshaw. She's a baddie ambassador. I think she is now. She might be a new one. Um, but she was on the podcast that I host and she was talking about how um, she wanted a deep, but because of her BMI, they wouldn't allow her to do her deep, so they have to do either a lap or the other, the, the leg thigh. I don't know what, what's the other one called, Ginny? Lap or? The trans, traps. Trap, trap. yeah. Anyways, um, and people don't realize that sometimes, like, you know, you have a decision made and you're really confident about that. 
and then you show up to your plastic surgeon's office and they're like, no, you're either too thin to get it or you're too big to get it. Yeah. And there's That's a lot of, there's a lot of studies done on it where, um, where people like the BMI is a risk just in general for surgery, but there's studies showing that the BMI, if, especially if you're high on the BMI scale, I guess, and I don't think many doctors use it anymore, but I think surgeons do because they'll say that they will recommend that you don't do surgery because of the, what recovery might look like. But technically people who are bigger can have the deep flap and I could see I'm a bigger person. That's why it was appealing for me. It's like, you know, just snatch me up in the waist, you know, and I'll be yeah. good. And, but I didn't realize like people were getting turned away from the procedure because they were too heavy and yeah. it didn't really make sense to me, but I, I started oh. reading about it and it's like, doctors will turn you away because, um, you're too high of a risk for surgery because of your BMI or they, that's what they say. I don't know how true that is. They, maybe they don't want the liability, but technically I read a study that said that it doesn't matter where you are at the BMI scale. If you have the tissue to give, then you should be able to have a successful deep flap. I've heard that too, but that's also similar to how it is with like flat closure, how some women have the issue where the doctor surgeon is telling them that because their BMI is too high, they can't, they can't give them an aesthetic flat closure, which is like completely flat. There's no, no ears or anything, no extra skin left over. And they're left feeling like confused and like, how am I, how are you? So they look at someone else and they're like, well, you have the same, like we're about the same size and you have aesthetic flat closure, but my doctor told me I couldn't get it. It's like, I don't know. I didn't actually get to speak to the plastic surgeon. All I spoke, spoke to was my breast surgeon. I just wow. made my decisions through her. Um, she gave me every surgery that I can get. She told me that when I, if I wanted to get the the dip the deep flap, um, I had they was probably gonna have to take fat from somewhere else because I had a lot of extra just extra muscle from me having twins, so it looked like it was flat fat, but it wasn't actually fat. So they I would have see. to actually take fat from another part of my body if I wanted to do that. And then she gave me the flat closure, and she was like, "I'll close you up and keep you flat where you don't have anything." Um, and implants. So I think every surgeon is different. And I just hate that you get some surgeons that they don't know how they don't have the best bedside manners. At yeah, all. they need to take sensitivity, yeah. some kind of sensitivity training, because like I've come across even oncologists, one that I even had to fire because he gonna tell I was like, I, this medicine, I'm telling you, like this medicine is not I if I continue to take it, I think I'm gonna die. He told me I'm gonna be all right, and that's it. That's why you fired. Yeah, you know, and I and so, I think that comes with a lot of issues with be, you being a black and brown person because sure. you know they hold us to a different stamina. They put us up here when it comes to the threshold of pain and a lot of other things versus you know non people of color. And Jenny and Tan, you probably hear a lot about like these horror stories about people who want to go in for flat closure, but they have like leftover skin because their doctors are just leaving it there for just in case they change their mind, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. I've heard so yeah. many stories about that where oh, wow. they've yeah. requested I've heard flat closure. These, there are doctors, I've 
had women reach out to me and tell them that their doctors have refused to give them flat closure because it would be mentally harmful to them to not have reconstruction. Okay. Um, the, the, the paternal attitude around, especially when you're a younger woman that some of these doctors have is in absolutely infuriating. And yeah. yeah, there are cases where women think that they're going to go in and get flat closure and they come out of surgery and they got these dog ears and this weird extra mm -hmm. skin because the doctor is like, I know better than you, honey. Yes. It's the same case, you know, women that try to get, you know, a hysterectomy or get their tubes tied or whatever. And the doctors are like, no, honey, I know yep. better exactly. uh, than you do about and, what yep. you should get. And so. I think social just really... Um, made people more aware that this is an option. So doctors are taking it more seriously, but yeah, it was like, mm -hmm. no one was ever doing flat closures. And if they did, they would leave those dog ears just in case a woman would change their mind. And it's like, my mind's made up, you know? And then yeah. it's like, you have to go back to another surgery on top of that. Yeah. And if you do and want to don't realize that even if you do have the aesthetic flat closures, which my doctor said, you want to be like a baby chest. And I'm like, yes, I want a baby chest. Um, I don't want <laughs> nothing. Just, you know, there. You can actually go reverse from that, too. You can go back and get the surgery. If you want to get flap surgery later in life, after you get an aesthetic flap closure, you can. So doctors just try to make it seem like you can't go back from that surgery. You can always go back from anything. So that, well, not a hysterectomy, but you know, that. <laughs> but you can definitely go back from the aesthetic flat closure into a flap reconstruction at any time. Because my doctor, every time I see her, every six months, she's like, you still want to stay flat or you want to go ahead and talk to the surgeon? I'm like, I'm going to stay flat for now. <laughs> well, when it comes to, you know, all of these things are... Um, they're not critical to our health. I, I mean, to our mental health, but on a, the physical health, like any of these options are yeah. fine options. It's just a preference. And I feel like at that time, like your plastic surgeon, like I really like my plastic surgeon, like they need to be your hype person, your hype man. If you choose to get a flat closure, they should be telling you how beautiful it is, how simple the procedure is, and they can make you look bomb. If you want to get implants, they can you know, tell you, they should be hyping up whatever decision you're making and not saying, well, maybe you want to go back to this. Cause you yeah. know what, Tanya, you're right that they can go back to giving you expanders, swapping some tissue over. Like it's not the end all when you make one decision. And I just, I, I hate that plastic surgeons and doctors and surgeons in general, like they, they try to make those decisions for you or whatever the status quo is. And yeah. It's just like they should be hyping you up every time you go in their office saying, like, validating the decision that you made, not what they made. And That's Ebony touched that on a good point. If there's any hesitation from one of our surgeons, we should immediately fire them. Mm -hmm. I'm quick to fire, honey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And I mean, to that, yeah, to that point, like, I feel like a lot of women feel really rushed. And even I felt really rushed at the beginning. Yes, and I'm glad yes. that even speaking with the plastic surgeon, he was, you know, he said, you know, it's a lot right now. And what I would really recommend is that you go through treatment and you get healthy, like, you know, as healthy as you can be, right? You just have cancer or whatever, but, and then make a decision after that, because there's so many other things that are going on all at once. And that was ultimately what I ended up 
deciding to do. Um, he wouldn't have done surgery then any, anyway, it was complicated, but it worked out well for me that I had that time. And I talked to other women who they felt really rushed at the beginning and they're not necessarily happy with the results that they have now. Right. Or they didn't understand yeah. that there were going to be multiple surgeries, right? Even if you go mm -hmm. straight to implants, right? You might need some fat transfer or you might decide you want to go under the muscle versus over the muscle at some point in time. There's a million different things um, around reconstruction. About yeah. it, sometimes your body may reject certain surgeries as well. So then you have the yeah. issue as that was That was something that I thought about because I remember um, my cousin's friend, she didn't go through any kind of cancer or anything, but she had, she wanted implants and her body rejected it so bad that she ended up having, having to even go flat. You know what I mean? Like they, she got all, had all kinds of stuff that was going on, but it started because her body rejected, um, rejected the implants. So I thought about that too. I was like, you know what? I've been sick enough. Um, and, and being stage right. four, you know what I'm saying? You have your day. You have, and you don't ever know how the medicine is going to be, what the medicine is going to do. So I don't want to go through something that's going to reject my body and then have to go through something totally different. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've heard that on more than one occasion. Did any of you ladies have the option to even like get to save your nipple because you know you can all do also have that option as well you can save your nipple or nipples i didn't i didn't have that option okay my boobs were just way too big at the time they're like yeah, yeah that that's unsavable <laughs> but uh but i think jenny's right she makes such a great point that we all feel so rushed to make those decisions and i get it from the doctor's perspective if you're having a lumpectomy and a mastectomy at the time it's a good time to maybe try to do something because you're already under, you're already under surgery, all those things, but it's not going to be the end all if, if you don't wait. And it's not going to fix everything. It's not going to fix our societal standards of what we should look like all the time. You know, we, it's like, we want to make the perfect decision to go in to do that. But at the same time, it's not going to fix every insecurity you have and all of these other issues that we're already dealing with as women. And, um, just being women alone, not a, on top of having breast cancer. So um, I think it's to really put into perspective of the decision you're making, does that have to be quick and it's not gonna fix all of your insecurities. Obviously it can help with some things, yeah. but I just felt like I was relying on that to fix, especially at the beginning, like it's gonna make me feel better about my body. Not having breasts anymore, it's gonna make me feel you know disconnected from cancer. I want all the breasts gone because I don't want the cancer. But then you start moving back into your normal life and outside of Cancerville of like being under a constant um, supervised under your physicians that it's like, oh, it didn't fix all my insecurities. It didn't fix how I feel about myself. It didn't fix having cancer. So I, I like the, what Jenny's saying about like taking your time to make those decisions. Yeah. Like, can really what other it. advice would you guys give survivors and thrivers um, as they're trying to make a decision for what reconstruction option works best for them? I would say I think one of the things is there has to be a point where you cut the noise and you just listen to yourself. 
because we all know that when we got breast cancer, everyone had a point of view about the decisions you were going to make, the treatments you were choosing. Everybody mm -hmm. was an expert, right? And they loved you and they came from a place of love, but like, you know, it's overwhelming. So I would say at some point, cut the noise and trust your gut. I like that. Yeah. I would just expand on that. Just if there's one way you're leaning towards, just ask more about it and find people who have it, you know, and, and ask them to share their story about what made them go that route. If you need more validation to feel like that's the, the way you want to go. Yeah. I would just say, take your time and do your research. Definitely do your research. Ask around, like Natalia said, ask around. You need to do that, like find you a support group. There's a million different support groups out here on Facebook, Instagram. There's a women is in just the flat community. You got a groups that are just for the flat community. You got groups that's just for implants. Like find you want uh, find you go through all the groups and ask your questions in there. And yeah, and for the breast of us, you can go on there for the breast of us and you can so many resources we have women in all different types of reconstruction so you definitely need to do that well just think about the campaign that was led mm -hmm. where everyone there are so many people showing what their reconstruction looked like i know one of the the platforms for the breast of us was that when people started looking and googling for what someone would look like with reconstruction they were unable to find yeah people with that yeah. type of reconstruction it's the, so I just got the Naked those, Truth Project. The Naked Truth Project, right. And you're able to see so many beautiful people look so different and kind of give you a reference of what that could look like. So I, the work you guys are doing are, it's great and it's important. Yeah. And it's given like younger. So we go, we have that, that normally when we see, women who's been diagnosed with breast cancer we normally see like the older women and they're not really women of color so now this is giving us a platform for the breast of us giving us a platform for young women of color and we're younger like we're between like the 20s and 40s age range and we you're able to see women who actually look like you who are going through the same thing struggling with everything that you're struggling with they may be, hey, I'm one of the only, one of the first black flatties. And then we have Jenny, who's a flatty as well. And then we have Naya, who's a uni. And then we have Natasha. She's with that lumpectomy. So we have so many different, so many different varieties out there. So it's always easy to just find someone, piggyback off of them and ask and reach out because we're all going through the same thing, similar to similar to you, if not the same. Right. I'm curious to know, would y'all all make the same decision again? I would, honestly. At this point in my life, I would. Now, if I didn't have children, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'm only making my decision based on me having children right now and me being a single mom. But if... Maybe if I was married and 
didn't have kids or I was married with my kids, I probably would, would have went and got my flap surgery. I would still never have gotten implants because I've heard about the implant syndrome and I'm too afraid of that. So. I would make the same choice. I'm ha happy with the choice that I made and yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but being having no breasts, it does definitely have its thing. I think it's more of like other body image issues for me that's going into like because when you when you flat, you don't have anything to like distract you from your belly. And right now I got the Buddha belly and I'm not thinking <laughs> it too much. So I think that's what's going into me. I would change my mind if things were different in my life. But I think I would have I I was I mean, I don't look back very often and think about rerouting things. Obviously, I would if I could go back, I would like to not get cancer. I don't I I'm not one of those people that feel like cancer is a blessing or anything like that. Ultimately, I would want to rewind time and not get cancer mm -hmm. and just but I, I am happy with the deep flap. I, it has given me a confidence that I haven't felt in a while. I've been in cancer land, what, 17, 18, 19, 22, counting with my fingers, but I've been for five years now and it's not getting better, right? The the prognosis for MBC isn't a cure or to, to, to be healed. So I think that um, it was a nice like kind of way to revive me when I was kind of in a, a lull and feel good about my body. But if I'm um, tan, if you have any, if this helps at all, I also have a four and a six year old and I went through the surgery. Um, and, but I, you know, I had, a, if you have support to help you watch the kids, like I had to have a lot of support to help me mm -hmm. with the first probably two weeks after that, you just kind of feel stiff and you're moving around. But, um, yeah, it's it's no joke, that's for sure. But I think I would make the same decision. I will also make the same decision. I, you know, I was thinking about what Jenny said about the external validation. And I started um, modeling with Anna Ono. And the way Dana, like, gassed me up, and she was like, you're a unicorn. Like, you look so great. <laughs> like, that's what I needed. And I actually love my body way more now than I did before cancer. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Natasha said she's having some technical difficulties, but she also said that she thinks she would um, stay the same. So uh, I'm, I'm always curious about the lumpectomies, just whether um, Cause like you hear a lot of people who get lumpectomies and they go back for reconstruction or end up mm -hmm. doing both. But I love when people like are happy with the decisions that they make or they don't feel forced. Yeah. I think that's how you're going to get the happiest decision if you're not forced into one. Yeah. Well, being one who hasn't made a decision quite yet, um, because there is a lot of decisions on the table. Um, I've, I've, started journaling um so i could go back and read like what was i feeling in the moment what was i what was i feeling when i heard about this particular procedure how does that make me feel and then sit in time and because i mean i feel like i got time <laughs> um as long as i'm breathing i got time so um 
I just know when I make the decision, I have to make it um, for what's best for me. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, I got in-house hype men because my kids will hype me up. I got my own personal hype team, all four of my babies. <laughs> the kids know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for real, like, my son, he'd be like, you're so beautiful, mom. I'm like, you know what? It's always the boys. It's always the boys. They love their mamas. Mine's my daughter. She'll just be like, Mom, your boobs are beautiful, even though you don't have nipples. I'm like, thanks, babe. (laughs) And I I have to try to explain to her that her boobs aren't going to look like mine. Like, yours are going to have nipples. Like, like, I have three girls, and two of my daughters are, they were me pre-cancer. So they were just like, Mom. You can have some of ours. Uh-huh. I was like, thanks, but I don't think that's how it works. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they was like, but if we could share, we would. I was like, yeah, because y'all definitely got enough. But, <laughs> um, you know, I know I just, my, I just, I do, I pray about it a lot. And I'm just like, God, just leave me to the right decision. If no boobs is the right decision, help me to understand and be okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. if, implants not implants because we know they ain't that but uh (laughs) if it's deep flap or whatever whatever it may be just help me to be okay with it so now it's just like i'm on the process of like soul searching again um to really feel like what's the best option for me at this this point in my life because i'm i'm 40 years old so it's just like i don't plan on having no more babies i got four um you know so yeah yeah i think a part of that soul searching is like grieving our old bodies right and what we used to i hope like at least (laughs) um and accept and so i want to know what do you guys do now to like celebrate your new bodies and find acceptance with them that's a really good question i feel like I personally still very much struggle with the weight gaining and all of that after treatment. And so that's one of the reasons, Naya, why I asked you earlier. And I love this idea of like, just fake it till till you make it, right? And just like finding different things, maybe little moments of joy that, um, that make you think about things differently, you know? And I also feel like, by being in like sisterhoods, like what we're doing right now with for the breasts of us, like seeing other women be like loving themselves and loving their body and loving it's that in itself, at least for me is super inspiring. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, if they, you know, like they're doing it, I can do that too. Um, I can feel that way too. And so I feel like the things that I do is that I'm surrounding myself with amazing courageous women who are like in that journey of loving themselves and loving their body and loving who they are and so that i feel to me is the most inspiring part because of how much i still am so uncomfortable with my body i think from um like a metastatic perspective and you can tell me if you feel the same but I'm at the point where it's like, I just want to live the way I want to live. So if having a snatched waist is what I wanted, then that's what I went out and got. 
if now I want to share show parts of my body that I was uncomfortable showing, but you know, I always wanted to wear the crop tops, or I always wanted to do this, I'm kind of putting aside my um, that self awareness and saying, you know, that that side of me needs to scoot over because this is the only time I'm going to be able to do it. So I'm not waiting for any more weight loss. I'm not waiting for something to be tan or for the right clothes or any of those things. It's like, this is the time I got to shine now. And it might be cut short because of NBC. So I'm not going to give myself excuses so, to put it onto the other side to do it later. I have to do those things now. It's not something I can wait for. So, um, you know, you're reminded of that every time you progress, right? That one progression means you're one treatment short of your life because you're out of that option of treatment again. So it's like, I'm not going to wait around and wait until I have the perfect body or I have this and that. I'm just going to do what I can now to make myself feel better. Because if not, it's exhausting waiting especially when you can do it now. It's just so exhausting. And now I feel like it's time wasted if I'm not doing those things that make me happy. Yeah, it's just, it's live now. Live now, do what you, every day is a, every day is a celebration. Every day that I wake up, every moment that I get to spend with my kids, um, I am a shoe fanatic, <laughs> a high heel fanatic is that. So part of my, those little wins and stuff, it's like, you know what? I see the shoe, I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> now, granted, my closet doesn't like it, but I don't <laughs> care what the closet likes. But hey, I, I buy the shoe and I can tell you this shoe was when I got this report. This shoe was when I got that report. This shoe was just because. But but if anything, if even if I, I think if even if it, if I didn't have NBC, it would be, if anything, cancer alone has taught me, live life to the fullest. Mm -hmm. Live because you never know when you're going to have a dramatic change. Yeah. You know what I mean? And no matter what, you know, you know, for some, it's a heart attack, you know, just so happened for us, it was can't, it has been cancer, but it's live life to the fullest. We get, you get one life to live. It ain't yeah. like you live, you, 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 you die, you come back. You know what I'm saying? I'm only going to be Ebony this one time. So it's live it to live it, live it to the, to the highest and the fullest. And whatever I want to do, I do it. Yeah. I think piggybacking off of what you said, Ebony, I didn't start living my life to the fullest, honestly, until when we went on a retreat. When I met you guys, you ladies in person for the breast cancer, I mean, for the breast of us um, retreat in May, I was like, I don't know. I'm just going at this. I'm just, you know, taking every day at a time because, you know, this hormone medication I'm on has me going through it with in regards to like pain and all the other side effects, nausea and everything. And then, um, one of my best friends, she was like, why don't you buy you some lingerie, you know, because you're feeling a little down about yourself. You don't have anybody to put it on for. Just put it on for yourself and just walk in the mirror. And I was like, OK, I'm going to do that. And I did. And honestly, that made me feel a lot better about myself. I already had like the makeup thing I'm doing, but just me looking at myself like in lingerie, I was like, I look 
pretty sexy. It made me feel good about myself. So I'm like, I think I want to start doing more of that just so I can just, you know, start you know loving myself a little bit more because I'm still, again, I'm at that. I'm only one year into my little survivorship. So I'm still on my journey on loving myself. And I, I would say like cut things out that don't make you happy. Yeah. I think with my body image, a lot of it was, I was, you know, social media is obviously so influential that I was just keeping my eye on things on um, people that didn't look like me yeah, and just really, um, you know, gone at them and wanting to be them. But then I started eliminating those things on social and admiring bodies that look more like me. Mm-hmm. And that really changed my perspective. Like I'm never going to be this size or I'm never going to look like this. And I'm going to have to be okay with that. It's not something I want to strive for anymore. But then I see people with confidence that just like they're plus size people, they're tall people, yes. they might people with short hair, right? Or people rocking their bald heads. Like no more, you know, I'm not going to try to look at having mermaid hair anymore unless I wear my wig, you know, or doing mm-hmm. those things. I'm going to cut that stuff out that makes me feel shitty about myself. Yeah. And I think like that's part of living life to the fullest because it's exhausting to tell people like when you're having a bad day that you just want to stay in bed. And then I have my mom saying like, you just need to be appreciative every day. It's like, I am, but I'm going to have bad days too. And I'm going exactly. you know, to mix those in. But mm-hmm. also it's like, I'm going to cut things out that I know I can cut out. I can't cut mm-hmm. out some bad things that are happening in my life, in my house, in my country. But what I can cut in or put in is the things that I choose, either through my phone, through my computer, the relationships I have. I, those are the things I can choose. Yes. And so I am definitely I, on it. So mine is just like, you know what? You know, social media is so influential and there's something out there for everyone. I'm just going to start admiring full body women all the time and cut out no, no shade to anyone else who has like an amazing body, but like I can't look like you and I need to put things in my life that make me feel connected with other people and feel beautiful. Mm-hmm. Right. Like shout out to Jenny because let me tell you, it was like I saw her one of her videos first when I first joined for the breast of us. And just looking at her videos made me even consider being flat. Okay. Because the confidence that yes. she walks around with, hey, I'm yeah. like, you know what? Hey, you know what? I, yeah, I'm still going to be beautiful. But it's you mm-hmm. just don't realize, like, your confidence. And just, I've like, I was in chemo one day and almost got put out because it was something that she, that she did. And I was in there cracking up. But it was just to see somebody who knows the journey and... Mm-hmm how she loved just just loving herself and loving life i was like you know what yeah okay 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 this is good this is good so yeah i make people (laughs) laugh i i walk around topless a lot and I dance, even though I have no sense of rhythm. Like these are these are just ways that I, I, I cope with everything, you know. <laughs> I love you, Jake. Like you are a whole vibe. Yes, yes. you are a whole vibe. 
Like you lit all it. the time, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is. She There's is. an envy of the freedom her. that you're living. Do you know yes. what I mean? I wish I wasn't so subconscious. Like for a yes. brown person, like I have no rhythm. You know, like from growing up with Latin people around my whole life, where dancing's a thing people do in their backyard when they just have a barbecue. Like I can't dance for shit. But I want to, and I want to groove. And then I look at Ginny, not to say that you can't dance, because I think you do have the moves. But Me you too. live with a certain freedom that gives no fucks. Sorry about my language. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? You're like flipping off the world, and you're like, this is how I feel, and this is how I'm going to move, and mm -hmm. this is how I'm going to express myself. And it's so nice to see that. You know, yes. like, yeah. It's, yeah. it's very inspiring. I, you know, it's it's nice to not give any fucks anymore. And I I think that comes from a combination of age. They say when women hit their 40s, you really just don't give a fuck about You sure do. <laughs> not what other people think about you, though. Like, I, I just don't care anymore. Um, plus, there's breast cancer, right? Like, I'm never going to look like normal. I'm never going to have a normal body, even if I did decide mm -hmm. to have reconstruction. I've been through all of this crap. We've all been through this crap. So why why even try to go there is kind of the way that I've looked at it, right? And I just celebrate, right. well, this, this is who I am. This is what I am. And this is part of my advocacy, what I do. I make people laugh. I make people look at me because I do get good feedback from that. And other people that see that, yes, you can be flat and happy. Not to say, again, I do have my issues. I take antidepressants just like everybody else, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, circling back to, I think, I think what was the original question was like how, how you love your body and how you love yourself is, is, uh, social media is part of that for me and having that freedom and not giving a lot of fucks um, is a lot of how I cope, you know, and, and mm -hmm. walking around half naked a lot. It's yeah. kind of free. You know Although my I mean? kid is old enough now that I'm like, oh, I can't really, you know, even though there's nothing there, I don't, you know, kids are embarrassed so easily. That's what I was going to ask you. I'm like, okay, since we're, we're flat sisters, I'm like, I, I kind of just know, you know, walk around with no shirts and tie every day. Do your kids, <laughs> I'll be like, my kids, are you, do you guys feel weird that I don't have a shirt on? Like, should I throw one on? I don't know if you even, yeah, I don't know how much he notices anymore. Like, I would never do it when his friends are over. Like, I'm not going to be yeah. that mom, right? But, like, yeah. if yeah. I'm just getting out of the shower or whatever. And yeah, because I've thought about it. Like, we're trying to put the time. I'm like, why am I trying to? That's stupid. You know what? My family always thinks, like, I'm the naked family because, you know, my kids are little, they're four and six. But I just think, like, my no one cares if my husband's walking out in his like boxer briefs. He's you know he's not wearing a top or a bottom, or not or he wears a bottom, but he's not wearing a top or pants. You know, it's like why can't I walk around my house like that? That's not fair and normalize yeah. it to my own kids. You know, like because my kid, my my daughter, she'll she'll shower with me every once in a while, and I don't want it to be a thing where she's really subconscious about her body. Yeah. And like, because I was that kid growing up where like, I didn't want to dress in front of my friends. I always went to a dressing room. I never shared a dressing room with anyone. And you know how you had girlfriends that would like, get dressed in front of each other. And be, like, <laughs> yeah. That wasn't me. So I just want her to be more comfortable with her body. And it makes me more comfortable with my body if I'm able to express myself that way. I don't know if yeah. you found like more comfortable, like shirts off. 
Awesome. I do. Look, yeah. I'm comfortable within my house. Like, I feel weird if it's like my niece or my nephew or my sister sure. here. I'll be like, oh, I don't know. The boundaries do up. Yeah, sure. But yeah. my kids be like, okay, I'm going to rub your chest. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> my kids know if you come on this side of the house, you don't know what you go get. <laughs> right before we came on, is when I put the shirt on, I was in here watching, just watching the shy. My children are the ones who taught me to be okay being naked because they run around the house naked and I, I just kept looking at them like why can't I be that free you know I don't need to be fully naked but I'm okay like with my yeah. chest out mm-hmm. and them seeing that yeah my flashes ain't no joke oh my gosh and, and I live in the valley. I live in I live in California, but I live in the I live in the San Fernando Valley. Right now it's almost like a hundred and seven. So yeah, no. They know you come on this side. Mommy might not have no clothes though. And <laughs> and just because the shower went off, you might want to give me some minutes because I'm running through here. My son, he makes announcement. I'm coming through the door, mom. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the girls, the girls are just like, mom, we know. We changed your bandage. We know. We know you're not going to have on any clothes. But it is true. Like, my girls, now granted, my son, he stays on one side of the house. But my girls, they're comfortable with it. Just because it's being comfortable with me, seeing me being topless, my girls are now just like you know what i feel it's their t- it almost it's taught them self-consciously to be okay with their body you know what i mean so it's even helped them like hey you know that and they be like mom you see this and then especially like on the first they're like okay we're feeling it on the first so like come look and they just come no shirt on no nothing but yeah they honey they know they come on this side of the house you don't know what you're going to get. Mom might have a shirt on. Then again, she might not because she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and, you know, figuratively and physically, you're hot. Yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have any kids yet. I think one of the things that I love with what I'm hearing you guys say is that every moment is an opportunity for advocacy and advocacy in in all the ways, right? And so advocacy with your kids, advocacy with your partner and your family. And like, that's a moment of advocacy. It's not just the big public moments, it's those moments when you're with your kids and you're showing them how normal that is. Um, And so I commend you all for that. Thank you. ladies thank you so much for joining us today um can you guys tell us exactly how we tell the audience how you can how they can connect with you like on social media Hmm. let's start with you naya at naya's purpose (laughs) n-i-y-a okay and natasha yeah mine is it's at gitana 0930 is G-I-T-A-N-A-0930. Okay. Ebony? All right, guys. Uh, any of my social media is Ms. And it's M-Z, Hustle and Heels. Uh, and Ms. Hustle and Heels. That's, that's 
that's, that's how you can find me on all social media. Okay. And Natalia? Um, on my, I mostly just do Instagram and my handle is at La Vida Natalia. And there's two underscores between La and then underscore Vida underscore Natalia. And then I'm also um, uh, on a podcast. I'm a co-host and senior producer for RMBC Live. So it's not just for NBC people, but there's a lot of NBC information. Talk about research and we talk to people who have NBC. And like Marissa has been on our podcast before too. So um, we love sharing information and I love listening to this podcast. In fact, it's always fun and chill. So um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. Nice. And uh, OG Ginny. Hi. So you can find me on Instagram at shudlucky, S-H-U-D-L-U-C-K-Y, shudlucky. Okay. And you can find me on Instagram. It's Tan Michelle. It's T-A-N dot M-I-C-H-E-L-L three, the number three. And yeah. Um, you can also find, I, I have another one. If you guys are into makeup, you guys can follow my my beat by moi um, IG account as well. And then you can follow the same pages on Facebook as well. And we want to thank all our listeners for tuning in and make sure you like, share, and subscribe to Baddie to Betty on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you listen to your favorite podcasts on. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is another Baddie Creation brought to you by For the Rest of Us. Don't forget to subscribe to Baddie to Baddie wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Rest of Us, on Twitter at The Breast of Us, and check us out online at breastofus.com. Thanks for listening.